In the bonus room, I asked Professor Holtmeyer about a number of things and was fascinated with his take on tonality in today's music, the future of music, training during the time of Franz Liszt, and, oh yes, comic books. This podcast is brought to you by Dorico, the music notation and composition software from Steinberg. Dorico is a family of products for iPad, Mac OS, and Windows, and you can get started for free with Dorico for iPad in the App Store or Dorico SE for Mac OS and Windows. You can install Dorico for iPad or Dorico SE today or experience the full power of Dorico Pro with a completely free 30-day trial. Visit www.dorico.com to learn more. And from November 14th to 30th, 2022, Dorico will be running its Cyber Week sales promotion, during which new Dorico Pro 4 licenses, including crossgrades from Sibelius and Finale, will be available at a discount of 50%. You can find details at www.steinberg.net forward slash promotion. Well, let's move on to a couple of other topics. I've, I've got some questions, just some, um, I don't know if they should be rapid fire questions, but, but sort of on a variety of subjects that I'd like to ask you, if you don't mind. Yeah, come um, on. And first of all, I just want to ask you, you taught in Basel at the Schola Cantorum. When did you teach there? Well, I would quite remember where it was from 2007 to 2009. I'm not oh, quite sure, okay. but I think it was that, yes. Okay, because I did a teaching exchange with Ed Tarr, but I was there, that was 1984, so that was way before Yeah, yeah, it was your 84. Time. No. Yeah. So, okay, so here's a, here's a question. How many languages do you speak? Well, I do speak English, German, French. At least I must say the French is, is certainly beside German kind of my, my, my real second language. I have a feeling that French is maybe even your favorite language. Yes, it is. Yeah, just it because is. of the beauty of the language? Écoute, c'est une belle langue, absolument. <laughs> T'as tout à fait raison. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's a bit, uh -huh. uh, it's, it's, it's a bit of, well, you see, from the, the language, from the, from the mother's side, the family from the mother's side has a long, long tradition in Alsace. So my grandmother was born in, in Münster, Münster, which is 30 kilometers from Colmar. And my, uh, my mother grew up in Mulhouse, in Mulhouse. So there has, and she was a, a, a French professor, and she was a French teacher. And there has all, always been a kind of close contact to the French. And then I went for my studies to Geneva. And so this is uh, a sort d'amour, uh, Great love. Yeah, that's really in, in, in your background. Yeah, for, for this, this, this language. It's in my background, but I must say, I did not gr grow up uh, with the speaking French. That's, that's true. It was always there because there has been all these these, these French, Alsatian friends of my, my mother and my grandmother. So the, the, the sound was very familiar to me from the very start. But it's not and my mother or my grandmother talked, uh, talked French to me. My grandmother from time to time. I mean... When she, she wanted to, but, but it's something I uh, acquired when I was then studying in, in, in Geneva. So here's another question for you. Uh, as a theorist, you were a theorist before um, you took over the job as being rector at the Musikhochschule. Yeah. <laughs> so here's the all-time general question. Is tonality dead? No, of course not. Tonality is never dead. How, okay. how could it? How could it? I mean, as you know, perhaps I was doing my dissertation on 18th century and uh, Rameau, Rameau, the yeah. music theory mm -hmm. of Rameau. So 
one very fascinating thing about the thing about the 18th century, Disfitiem, is that you learn that they do not have a kind of scientific holistic idea like the 19th century. I mean, you have, let's say, a kind of theory that 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 stems from like a bundle of axioms, and then you develop it because. I mean, it's 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 more a perspective-like kind of approach that you can see there, diff- different level of theory. I mean, there's a theory for full voice accompaniment, uh, full voice uh, composing of, let's say, counterpoint ten or twelve voices. Then you have uh, more something for the trio sonata and and so on. You just change perspectives, and I would say for the tonality, it's of course clear that there are quite a lot of levels of this music where this kind of genre, this kind of style will still live live on. I mean, no question about that. But there are different levels of, of, of musical language too and, I, and that's this kind of uh, multi-perspective of today's uh, musical language is just so fascinating. So you don't you don't think that, for example, I mean, there are so many composers, the, the main what would you say, the very big name composers today I would not consider to be tonal composers. You know, they would be I don't know if you would say avant-garde composers, but their compositional style mm-hmm. um, procedure is non-tonal to being very, let's say, for lack of a better explanation or description, far out, um, far away from tonality. Mm-hmm. And and it makes me feel that if, if uh, you're a tonal composer or a relatively tonal composer, that you're passé, but, but you don't think that way you think Prokofiev said there's still many great melodies left to be written in C major so you're sort of along that way of thinking well of course I mean you can say that for my business what I did what I have written for all kind of my research as I'm quite specialized in, in the second Viennese school I mean it's, it's clear that all these questions of eternality are very very near to me because that's and a lot of my my a lot of the dissertations I'm um I'm uh, tutoring. Um, do you have these kinds of topics? So this is what, what what's called the Western Western art music canon, which is trend I'm, I'm really interested in. But look, I mean, the question is: they are not considered by, by whom? I mean, is there a kind of of a, a kind of mainstream look at a dominating a kind of uh, uh, new music? today as it has been perhaps in the 20s and even in the 50s and 60s I don't see that because I mean if you see how much of this newly composed tonal music is uh, is is heard and loved and produced still is by a lot of people around the world I would say the question would be okay mainstream or not regard from what kind of perspective mm-hmm, perhaps yes. if you say from a kind of a, a, academia of course, but look even at the at the, the uh, broadcast broadcasting. If you if you hear a, a classical broadcasting sta- uh, station today, these kind of of let's say this kind of neue Musik avant-garde is is it's not that you can say in in a sense leading as has to be in the, in the 60s, 70s, and even the 80s, it still has, but it has changed a lot. I mean, it has changed also because I mean. The, the composing theme today is so much global and it's changed so much in direction also of 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 moving away from what we call classical um, how how to say um, f- uh, feather and pen composing to uh, computer composing to to completely different kinds of uh, how to create music 
Um, but I think I wouldn't say that this is still it's still the case. Yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't think so. Of course, you're right. In a certain academia circle, it still still is uh, dominant, and and oh, why not? Well, another here's another general question. Then, um, how do you see the future of orchestras in the world and and classical music in general, but orchestras and orchestral music? I mean, do you think there's a chance that that there could be a comeback, or because in the United States, for example, so many orchestras have well, they they're no longer in existence, and I know that certain European orchestras have had problems or for example in Basel the Radio Symphony and the Symphony Orchestra combined uh, and so forth and Freiburg too I mean you know yes you know, right. I mean that, that's true well there will be a lot of change of course there will be a lot of change but look I mean that there will be a kind of greater cultural break it seems to me is, is completely obvious but we should not only have an all-the-time, let's, let's say, a kind of local perspective, just to say we're talking about Germany, we're talking about Europe, we're talking about the United States of America, because, I mean, we have an Asian-Pacific uh, region where a lot of new schools are, are rising, where if you see when you go to, or when I go to my partners in Japan or if you go to China and or Korea, you can still see that uh, European art music is so present. I mean, look, the 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 classical art music is is a brand. It's an international brand, and it's no longer concentrated just. I mean, as I said, you you might you might close down an orchestra here, but in another region of the world, a new orchestra is founded. I mean, this is true. I I think that the the the, the focus certainly is shifting. So that you can certainly say, and you don't have to be a prophet to say that, the role of classical music that classical music had perhaps in the in the eighties and the sixties will perhaps move away toward the Asian Pacific um, um, region. But look, a, a great part of the students we we are training here in our school just come from these regions and are returning to these regions. So I will not be overly positive to say just a positive thinking i'm not i'm not closing my eyes before these these changes but at the same times i have to see you have to have a global view i mean you have to have this global view i mean we're not only training you see students here for the german market but uh, much more students than we do believe are not being professional mu mu musicians in germany and so on on the same times they certainly is uh, they there will be a great changing, but I think that classical music as a global brand will live on. Well, when I was still teaching at the Musique Hochschule, I invited you to come to the trumpet class yeah. and give a class on the Haydn Trumpet Concerto um, from a theory point standpoint and or point of view. And one thing I remember you saying, and this seems pretty exceptional to me, so maybe I misunderstood it, and I'd but I'd like you to comment on it. Is I remember you saying that during the time of Chopin and Liszt, um, students did not spend nearly as much time working on their technique, but they spent, I remember you said, and I could very well have this wrong, but that they spent two hours a day sight reading and two hours a day 
improvising. Is that close to being correct? Well, I, I, you look, I, I think when you tell that, you're certainly quoting from this kind of perceptions and, and ideas that Franz Liszt was writing to his students. I mean, if you imagine, let's say, the training of Chopin or the training of Liszt and the training of these musicians, this kind of training in the 19th century resembles much more the today training of a jazz musician than of a today classical musician. Hmm. This is okay. This is completely clear. We know that. Because, I mean, improvisation was... Uh, what, what, what Liszt said to his students is, don't spend too much time with the Handsachen. Handsachen was the, the German hand... How to say handy stuff? Handsachen. What do you say? Handsachen means uh, repertoire. Don't, composed stuff. I mean, from other composers. But it was more not too much a, a day, but it's more important to train improvisation... It's transposition and it's reduction of orchestral scores. Mm -hmm. That was, was a great part. So he really made a kind of training. And improvisation was like for, for the jazz musician. That was uh, also in the public concert a great part. I mean, all that's what we call the, 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 this musicalische album, which came also with the idea of the, of the national identity that has to be, and there has to be a kind of national German repertoire that has to be, uh, 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 to be studied, uh, les, les pianistes compositeurs, the, 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 these kind of imp improvisers like Chopin, like uh, 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 Thalberg and others at least, it was clear that the training of improvisation was the first thing to do, like it has been for, for hundreds of years. One of the people I interviewed actually on this podcast, who was just great, was Jan Swafford. He's written uh, biographies on Mozart and Beethoven and, and Brahms and um, Ives. And Beethoven evidently was an incredible improviser. Yes, of course he was on the. I mean, look, I mean, all these is what we go, what we would we what you call in Germany is regelpoetisch. That what in all this partimental movement it comes up. It means that you have a, 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 a bundle of patterns, and that's what you have around fourteen in different. And they have an endless kind of variation, but that's what you have. And that's what you learn. Like you, you do that in, in today's jazz improvisation. These are uh, uh, parts of, of your, 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 of your, your craftsmanship, of the, of the repertoire you have to learn. And then you have to learn to combine them, you have to, 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 to build larger forms with them, to know when, how to begin, how to end, how to do the middle part. And of course, this was the, um, All this came by improvisation. Even if you look down in, into the early conservatories of the, of the 16th, 17th century, uh, you can see that what we call counterpoint and all these things, they were just learned by doing, you see, by, by, by playing, by, by uh, improvisation. And it's just around, you can say, the, the, I would say for me, if you look at the, the training of the music schools, I, um, how to say, uh, um, a decisive day certainly was around uh, after the First World War. That's hmm. for me. Because after the First World War, I mean, I do not, I have not done enough research to, to, to say in, in general. But what I can say for some of the important schools in Germany, you can see that after that, The, 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 the teaching of improvisation just had an enormous decline. I mean, it was really concentrated on the, uh, on, on the works of the, of the works aesthetic on a canon of, 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 of great, very often national works 
that are, how to say, these are the, to learn those, to play them in a kind of interpretation. It, it's the same time that what we call an interpretation culture develops, because, I mean, it's not, I'm not ta- telling this only as a kind of loss, because where it's loss, there's gain, too, on the other side, because you can say all these very sophisticated interpretation history of having several pianists playing the more the Beethoven sonatas, and you compare them one to another. I mean, bringing standards in classical interpretational norms. I mean, this is a, a a a fantastic tradition, but it is certainly a different tradition from the tradition we had in the nineteenth century. You understand? I mean, it's it's not again. I mean, this is it's a tradition in its own right, but we certainly have to ask ourselves. Couldn't we take perhaps some elements of the training of the 18th, of the 17th century back, or taking a lot of of the training from from the professional jazz musicians, just to 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 rebuild the training we need today? Because answering your your question, because when we are not only building musicians for an orchestra, uh, for this kind of interpretation tradition, but also for this for a more multi-perspective and multifunctional uh, kind of, of, of idea what a musician is going to do, then perhaps you should take a step back and see what I do, what I have done. So. You know, when I was a student, I mean, the the paradigm was essentially, if things went well, that you'd practice really hard, you know, learn all the basics, learn how to transpose, learn all the orchestral excerpts, and get lucky at, at an audition and win an orchestral job, and then you'd play in an orchestra. But now it seems like there are far fewer orchestras, and in addition to being actually a much more skilled player than you would have to be in, in when I was a student, um, you also have to be an entrepreneur, and you have to look at you have to know how to use social media and how to promote yourself and and look at different ways of, of doing things. And musically, I would think that then a part of that would be um, improvising as well. And so I'm wondering is do you think there'd be a possibility like uh, for schools in the future to have improvisation courses that perhaps even are required for students? Yes, I think that's we are on the way. Absolutely on the way because it's 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 a global movement too. I mean, look at the parliamentary movement, but what it has become. I mean, that that's bringing it back. And what you you said, the, the notion of entrepreneurship is for me really world. I mean, we have to see entrepreneur is it's not just management. It's not just just uh, you see. Uh, entrepreneurship means also to develop skills of seeing what can be done in music, what is interesting, and at the same time giving me something like a living, uh, but to be inventive, to right. see to see at the same time, you know, all these strategies you have for entrepreneurship is to see where I'm good at and what can I do with these capacities. It's clear, I mean, just up to 25, 26, you really have to learn, you, you have to be, you have to, to, to acquire the, the, the craftsmanship of the musician. But afterwards, at a certain moment, you have to see, well, where I'm good at. What's what, what's my what's my what's my real talent? Where do, do, should I perhaps follow away and perhaps not only go to say in the in the in the in the same uh, uh, small direction and going to these? Where can I really go in find a, a way for me? For example, I can tell you very often I see pianists where I would say fantastic players, but certainly not going to make a world career. But at the same time, I can see look fantastic improvisers or. 
uh, uh, thoroughbred players. I would say, well, they they just all want to to follow. You see, in in these little needle eye of the of the soloist player. But why not take them in a sense of good entrepreneurship and say, look, I mean, you're a fantastic musician, but that's something you can do also. So I would say, go there, because that could be a solution. I think schools have to develop this kind of entrepreneurship uh, much more thoroughly than they did before. I think, and it's, it's I mean, it's a, a bit alien to them normally, because they think, well, but that's not what we're going to do, because it's about art. But I mean... Entrepreneurship means to to open the eyes. It's it's not just to give a kind of, of external training, but really to say, where are you good at? What is what could be what could be a, a really something for you that is that, that could be uh, where you could really be not in concurrence with millions of people, but where you could say the combination of certain talents in certain. Uh, Trades of my character that I have—they they really, they show me a sort of of, of a way as an artist, and I rather follow this way than just follow the the, the caravan. Yeah, and I think I think the paradigm—I um, don't know if paradigm is even the right word for it. It's sort of a negative tendency, I think, for a lot of instrumentalists or let's say brass players at least who want to play in an orchestra. They'll learn excerpts that are asked on auditions but they don't even know the piece they don't even have the context of the yeah. excerpt and they just keep practicing the excerpt and, and it, i don't know why this made me think of it but um you studied if i am correct in this you studied german literature at least some when when you were younger and i've really enjoyed reading a lot of hermann hesse and i have a, a book of his letters and there was one letter that he wrote to somebody about hearing a young, I think, Chinese uh, pianist on the radio playing Chopin. And the way he described it was just incredibly beautiful. He could, he could write so beautifully. But then he said something like, but I would love to hear him again and see if he would just play again the exact perfect performance or if it would have a different inflection to it. In other words, was this person like a robot, essentially, is what he was saying, or did it really have that human quality? And, and I think that's what you're talking about. Yes, I mean, to the, uh, I mean this is the, 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 the great culture of interpretation to, to write your personality into the piece of music. You see, just not to, to make a copy. I mean, doing copies is very important, you know. I mean, imitation, mimicry, imitation is very, very important to learn. But at least what you do in an interpretation is, uh, I have a certain idea that I want to express myself via this kind of work. And I want to give it my character. And for that, you need an idea. An idea is, well, I know how these harmonies work. I know how these, 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 I know what this piece is made of. And because I know what it is made of, that gives me the capacity to read it, uh, uh, to to do um, a lecture, to make uh, to make uh, to to make uh, um, a, a, let's say a personal reading of the piece. That should be a name, of course. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm completely with you. Uh, you know, I think this. I don't. I don't know if you've heard this, but I think this is such a great speech. Did you hear that? It was about a five-minute speech that Leonard Bernstein gave before a performance of the Brahms First Piano Concerto. Oh yes, of Van course. Gould. I say, who's the boss? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> I think men have that with their wives, and we know who's the boss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, but that's that, that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, um, for sure. So I have one final question, and. Uh, 
I don't know if this is a question. Yeah, I guess it is a question. So, and this is far afield from music, but um, I don't know how however many years ago it was, but it was before six o'clock in the morning and I was at the train station. I was taking a train to the airport and lo and behold, there you were with your son and you were going to a comic book convention. That seems pretty <laughs> pretty interesting for the rector of a Musikhochschule. Oh, you see, I'm, I'm a great, uh, I'm a great comic book. We were going to a, a manga uh, a convention at these because my son was a great fan of these and I was always have been a great great fan of the uh, uh, of comics a great fan of the the uh, les bons décidés comme on dit en français because I always thought this is a fantastic art form and I was always a great great fan of, 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 of film because you see when I grew up I grew up in a kind of conservative household I wish things that were completely clear I mean you have to you have to be able to speak different languages you have to read a lot of books you have to be very informed a sort of culture but film was not very much in it at least if film you see all these Italian and French art films but I was so much in Italo Western and I went every Sunday morning at 11 I loved this kind of popular popular culture and I was I to, to, one of the greatest artists to me was always Stanley Kubrick later as a filmmaker so there was a deep profound love to that kind of how to say for the, these true popular art forms that I still love very much and I think it's so 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 important and I and film and, and, and comics are still one yeah well not every kind of comics i mean if you see all what's what's happening with the marvel universe that's certainly not not the comics i'm 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 talking about but these original kind of of, of comics even if it's japanese if it's french i love very much of course the the, the whole uh, world of the bon dessiné uh, uh in 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 france um i think that's a, a fantastic a fantastic art form and and of course i said if if not a musician <laughs> yeah, yeah, wow, that's great. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to do this uh, conversation. And, and if you have any last words that you'd like to say, any words of advice? Well, well, I'm not, I, I'm not the last words uh, type of guy. I, I... <laughs> okay. Well, have a nice evening and we'll talk soon. And thanks so much for the interview. Alles klar. Okay, bis später. Bis später.